It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of The Table. Um, my name is Jason Squires, and I am excited about today's conversation with our mentor team. Um, why don't uh, the other Jason, because there's more than one of us, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello everyone, my name is Jason Harris. Uh, I work at a church in Rochester, New York, and we actually just started our intern cohort today, so I have a whole bunch of fresh faces right out of college with us this morning. Um, but looking forward and happy to be with you. Oh, that's amazing. Go ahead, Grant. Good morning, everybody. And I say good morning because I'm speaking to you from New Zealand, where it is the morning. Um, but uh, this podcast has actually been recorded in the evening or late afternoon. But uh, I head a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which provides online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. And it's great to be part of this uh, podcast. I love it. How about you? How about you, Joe? Hey, I'm Joe Hornis, and uh, and I am a worship leader and lead a thing called the Joe Hornis Worship Collective, Engaging the Heart, and uh, where I just do coaching and mentoring for worship leaders. So good. I'm, I'm excited to be in this conversation with you guys today. Um, this whole month, we've been talking about vision and purpose and mission, and why why do we even have these, what do these words mean? Um, we've kind of broken them down in some of the past podcasts this month, but today I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk, kind of continue the conversation. My first question for you guys is, um, do you think vision and mission is obvious, or do you think it's something that needs to be developed in ministry? Do you think it's an obvious, like, oh, well, of course I know why I do this, but, or is it something that we constantly need to be developing and having conversations about? Yeah, Grant. Yeah, I, I actually think there is a huge need for uh, teams of singers, instrumentalists, and technicians who are responsible for encouraging a congregation to worship God through songs to have vision. In fact, in my experience, and I, I get to travel around quite a bit and visit different churches, uh, trying to uh, help them uh, do a better job of what they're doing. And I would say there's actually a massive void of, of unified, agreed, spoken about vision. It's a, it's a huge problem. And what, what do you, what do you think that, like, how would you go about doing that? How would you go about developing and having those conversations, starting that, starting the conversation? Yeah, no, well, well understand, um, I'm not on staff for a church. So this idea of vision or, or, or having a, a, an agreed goal for a team uh, is a little different for me. I'm, I'm, the, I'm with a team of people for a weekend or an afternoon or maybe a week. Um, whereas some of the other people on this panel, and I'd love to hear what they have to say, uh, maybe with a church staff, and you're trying to cast a, a longer-term vision. So from my perspective, I understand what I'm going to say is, is very much about a short-term vision. Yeah. And I've found that you know if you've got a team of people and they've been told that they are the worship team and they are to lead worship, this is their job, and that worship starts at 10, and here are some worship songs, there's actually a lot of confusion in that team around this term worship. You know, one person 
thinks that means we've got to take the congregation from point A to point B, where somebody else might think that means point A to point C or point Z. And uh, so people are tugging in different directions. So I try to give people a, um, a, a vision that we can all agree upon in, the, in a short term. Like I yep. said, I'm with them for an afternoon or for a weekend, maybe a week. And so I'm saying things along the line of, look, we definitely want God to be worshipped. We want the worth of God to be shown through what we're singing and what we're playing. Um, but we need to have an agreed humanly observable goal. We want to have something that we can all say, yes, that's that's the outcome we're looking for. So I make it simple, like, you know, a heavy metal band knows they've done a good job if the crowd was headbanging. Um, a dance band knows they've done a good job if the dance floor is full. Well, we're not a metal band. We're not a dance band or a dance band, for that matter. Um, we're, we are tasked with inviting our congregation to sing songs that are actually prayers to God and praises of God, declarations of truth about God. And the outcome we're looking for is that our congregation will be singing these good words that line up with the theology that we understand is true in this church. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm trying to give them this vision of we've done a good job if Jack and Jill congregant are singing. Yeah. Uh, and that can bring the team together. All oh, right, I don't need to say to a drummer, um, I need you to play more simply. I don't need to say to the mix engineer, it's too loud. I don't like it. I need to say, what sort of drumming, what sort of sound, what sort of singing, what sort of song choice, what sort of keys are going to help Jack and Jill congregants sing? So I, that's the sort of vision casting I do. Much more short term, much more immediate. Um, but, uh, you know, the other guys might be able to give a longer term perspective than that. We definitely want lives changed over the, over the course of what we do, but I'm trying to give people that very immediate agreement agreement building vision i love that yeah. i think at the beginning is it important yes because if you want to achieve anything together um, i think you have to have a common purpose and a common goal and if you don't have that established uh, your team won't really know what success looks like if you haven't actually spelled it out so you're just kind of moving or going through the motions and they won't know when they're winning or um, if you ask them to change something, why? Um, and so having those common you know, objectives or common purpose, common vision um, really is important because you know, just because you know how to play your instrument or you are a phenomenal technician, that's the starting point in some case, or maybe not. But I think to be able to rally around the common purpose, a common vision, a common goal, and then making that a cause for commitment. Um, and saying, hey, if it's we want our congregation to sing and we want to do whatever role you have as a worship leader, um, we want you to rally around together and let's do whatever we can, whatever sacrifices or whatever, um, you know, put our thoughts around. How do we get our congregation to engage? How do we get our congregation to pray? Whatever that that goal or that vision is, it becomes a central point for your your team to rally behind. So. so good. What about you, Joe? What are you thinking? Uh, wow. I, I think it's a hugely important question. I'm kind of the old man in this group, and I've been in ministry long enough to have worked with pastors around the country and around the world that have varying diff very different ideas at times of what it is that we're really trying to build. And, um, you know, I've been with 
pastors that really want to use work and churches that want to use worship as an outreach tool. Somehow they want it to be hip and cool. And, and what they really want to build is something that's going to attract unchurched people to what you're doing, which is a, a great goal. I'm not sure it's what God designed worship to do in that form. Um, there's others where I've been with, you know, worship pastors or past leaders that have just said, you know, we want two up songs and a slow song. That's, you know, that's our formula that we do every time. Or what we want is three cool songs that create energy in the room, uh, before the message, you know, all, all worthy things, but really, um, but which, which definition you choose is going to hugely determine what are the songs that you pick and then what are we trying to accomplish and and um, and why are we doing what we're doing? I, I think how we determine uh, our purpose, why we do what we do, and is hugely, hugely important. And the question that I most am always interested in is going, what does God wish this was? Yeah. Well, and I think singing is a huge part of it. Uh, and I applaud Grant and yay to Grant for uh, his constant reminder of how do we help people participate? But the goal to me beyond even participating is that the singing is a reflection. You know, we what we really want is people to engage their hearts, as uh, you know, as you guys have said. And it's an engaging, I was just reading in uh, the message version of uh, John 4, and um, the and Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says, your worship must engage your spirit in a pursuit of truth. This is the kind of people the Father is looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. And it's just that picture of going, you know, what God longs for is our hearts to be engaged and to meet with him in a genuine way. And, uh, and, but if we set that as our goal, then we approach worship very differently than if we choose some of those other things. You guys said something that just sparked a thought. All right, and I'm going to ask this question. We just kind of, we just came out of, or I mean, everyone says we're coming out of a pandemic, but like coming in, going through, in about whatever situation where you're at. Um, now, life, ministry changed unexpectedly during during the during the uh, pandemic, lockdowns, and like you know, it's stuffs on video. The way we do worship was very different, and now we're coming back to like. We're back to in person. Maybe you're, you know, in 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 flux, or you've been back, or wherever you're at. How does that? How important is? Should we be recommunicating why we're doing this? Because it changed, and now we're going back, and it it looks different. But it, I mean, what does that look like? And I mean, maybe Jason, because um, you're 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 um, on on staff right now. Like, what? How's that playing out for you guys? Yeah, actually, in the fall of 2021. Um, the couple of leaders, exec, our executive staff, and a couple of our worship leaders got together. And we took a look at this exact thing of like, we have to reteach our people how to worship. Mm. Um, and as we were kind of, that was really when we were beginning to regather fully up in New York. 
Um, and it had been, you know, 18 months since we'd been gathering together in person as a community. Um, and so now we actually carved out at least once a month, but I mean, I think in the last couple of weeks, it's almost been weekly of how do we teach our people how to worship? Not just jump into the songs, not just expect people um, to, to be there with you, but really like, I think a couple Sundays ago, I actually broke down the song as we started it. Like, hey, this is a song. If you've been with us, this is, you, you know, the song, but let me tell you like, guys, you're going to be singing with me. This is how the chorus sounds. Hey, girls, you can be with me an octave up or you can be in this harmony. And I had the females sing the harmony line and just say, hey, and now it's your turn. Let's sing this together to really set the expectation, but also to reteach our congregation. Hey, this is what we're here to do. We're here to lift our hearts, lift our voices yep. up in worship. And there's times where you like you just define worship. Um as you know adoration and praise this is what how we make god a priority in our lives and this is an overflow um and just little things intentionally taking time to teach in the morning service mm. uh, i think has been it's always been there but i think we made it a priority of not just worshiping but also teaching how to worship because we felt a, an ever-pressing increasing need as we were regathering um and it probably should have been there before um but i think as we've regathered uh over the past you know now it's six nine months i think it's been ever more increasing that like hey we should be teaching people how to worship what are we here doing um and let's make sure that we tell them um not just yeah. like oh why didn't people sing well did you tell them they should sing did you ask them to did you explain why and so i, I think that's really benefited our congregation and even our team, as we say internally for our volunteers, hey, this is what we want people to do. But then to actually tell the congregation, hey, we want you, you're a part of this, let's go, um, has been super beneficial both for our congregation, but also for our team in sharing that vision and, and moving forward. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Uh, just to piggyback on that, I, I, I one, I love the creativity. I love, uh, Jason, the way you're teaching, you know, and bringing in teaching people parts and just the fun of, of um, helping people know how to participate. But I think, um, you know, the, um, in addition to that, C.S. Lewis wrote that he thought one of the, one of the questions he thought most Christians wish somebody would answer was why we worship. And he said it was one of his greatest stumbling blocks to Christianity was that why did we have a God that needed compliments? Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think people need to know and want to know why are we doing this? You know, and yes, I want to sing and I want to part, but I think that vision of, of helping people and you don't, you can do it in a variety of ways. And, you know, you don't have to get up and do the same explanation every week, but, but on some levels of helping people understand this is why we worship and this is what we're about to do. And now sing these parts and let's, because here we go, but, but helping people understand why this matters, I think, is is it's always important, especially after the the after a pandemic. Yeah, Grant, you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I, I love it, guys. Thanks, thanks a lot for that. I I um 
I totally agree. We've got to be not just teaching our teams of singers, instrumentalists and technicians why what we're doing through music is important, mm -hmm. but also the congregation. Amen. Um, I'm the weird guy from the other side of the world. Maybe I use the words a little bit differently. Um, uh, I, th I think I know what, what Joe and Jason mean, but this is my caution to us all as we listen to this podcast. If, we, if we're trying to teach people to worship, we use that word and it has different meanings to different people. And that's why, look, I can totally agree with my brothers on this panel. We want people to show the worth of God as we're singing. That's my definition for what it means to worship, show the worth of God. Um, but the opportunity to show the worth of God is in every moment of every day. And we would agree with, with that, right, guys? Yep. I think the passage that, uh, were you reading some of John 4 there before in the message, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a passage about way, way more than mm -hmm. when we are gathered and singing together, mm -hmm. right? You know, yep. this, and we agree with that. And mm -hmm. then because of the way our culture uses the word worship, almost as a synonym mm -hmm. for singing together, uh, we create a lot of confusion. When I walk into these team situations where I'm there to coach, I find that there's, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit cynical. You know, there's, a, there's an 18 year old girl who thinks worship means when she gets herself to a transcendental state. There's someone else who thinks worship means when we're singing correct theology and not incorrect theology. There's someone who thinks it's worship when we're singing Jesus is my boyfriend songs and we're getting a, a fuzzy feeling. There's people who think it's worship when we raise our hands. There's people who think it's worship when dot, dot, dot. So if we want to cast vision, we have to use terms that don't just mean what I think they mean when I say them. They have to be heard the way I want them uh, to, to be defined. So like everyone on this panel and probably all of our listeners, I want people to encounter a living, living God as we sing together. I believe that this singing together thins the, the membrane between humanity and divinity. When a group of people sing truth together when they sing prayers together wonderful things happen but i can't control whether people are actually worshiping god or not mm -hmm. i cannot control that that's why I, I actually personally reject the term worship leader because i it's, it's only god and an encounter with god that makes someone truly worship him and i get a sense of whether that's happening but i don't definitively know so that's why i focus on let's sing together it's one of the expressions of worship team. We want to sing together congregation. We believe it's important to sing together with there's Bible passages like uh, Colossians three sixteen and Ephesians five nineteen. Is it guys that tell us to sing together? Half the Psalms tell us to sing together. And so this is an important expression of worship. Um, and the, the actual worship of God continues after this. And I actually have my own little top 10 list that I teach to teams. These are the 10, my favorite 10 reasons of why it's important that the church family sings together. Um, and one of those is because the Bible tells us to. And another one is because God is God and deserves to be praised. Uh, and he deserves our best, not our near enough is good enough. So uh, yeah, reminding people to sing as an expression of worship to me uses terms that people can grab onto a bit better. Let's talk about this in practical terms. Like, so if, if we're talking vision, purpose, ministry, like why we do it, how we do it, where does song choice and even arrangements and how it's, how it's being uh, delivered, how important is that? And also, how does that come into play and come into these conversations? 
any of, any, any of you have thoughts on that one? Um, well, I, I can. I want to jump in, but I've talked too much. So Jason, yeah, take it away. I, I can talk a little bit. Um, and so first, I think in developing a vision, developing a vision for your worship ministry, uh, I think it has to be in line with the larger church's vision, um, leadership. So I would start there, even before you get down to praxis, what it looks like. Um, but I think, so when we wrote uh, like a Sunday experience document, it's like, hey, this is why we do what we do. This is our vision. This is what we hope to achieve. And this is way even what it looks like. Um, I, and then presenting that, making sure the senior pastor and the lead of the leaders of your church, or whether that they be the elders or whatever, to say, yes, that's what we want. That's what we're trying to achieve. Because in vision, I think there's that moment where you have to close your eyes and say, what do we dream that would be happening in our ministry, in our church? How do we um, pray and envision the future uh, if God you know, really does a, a, an amazing work in our church. What does that look like? And then from there, I think, hey, our leadership is all on board. Now you can say, okay, now what does that look like from song selection? What does that look like? And so you take that vision into that because it might be a little bit different, but at least church to church, there's many right. different visions of music and what your Sunday experience or even your team experience might look or sound like, but I think as, as long as your leadership is together, then that you have confidence in what you're trying to achieve. Um, and then from a sound, uh, uh, you know, how it impacts song selection and things like that. I, I think, you know, even things like, if you want people to sing, this is one of Grant's things I know, make sure <laughs> it's in a key that people can sing it. Um, <laughs> or at least you oh, know definitely. where where and, and you can engage and you know how your people are going to engage with this song. Um, and I think asking things of the congregation, like, hey, can our congregation, are they at a place where they can sit in silence for three minutes and not be super weird? Um, for some church congregations, that's totally appropriate. Um, and maybe that's something that your church might wanna grow into, to sit in silence and reverence. Um, other church cultures, might never want that it's like hey we want to go we want to move high energy and so that's where it has to it's to fit your larger vision um and so it does impact what your sunday morning worship service looks like um if you're a, if you're at a church that has a liturgy uh it's going to impact i mean obviously your vision is going to be around that but that's different than if you're at a, a non-denominational community church where you still have a liturgy but it's a little more fluid um yeah and so with that, but I, I think having that in your mind impacts even, do you have a choir? Do you have an orchestra? What's your instrumentation? What's your expectation? How do you use lighting? How do you use cameras, technology uh, in your experience and why? Not just, but really why and how does it support and lead your congregation into your vision? And if you don't know why, either figure it out or you might not want to do it. Um, because you want to make sure that everything you do supports your vision and is intentional. Um, not just because the cool church next door has it or not, um, but to make sure you know why and how it supports your vision and moving your church. I love that because there's so many times that we're, we just try and like look and look a certain way and, and like, I want to be this because that's what I'm supposed to do. But if you can't answer the why question, 
then like the why question should come first. That mm-hmm. might not be what, what, what we're going to do or where we're going to go because that's not the direction that our church is, yeah. our church is heading. That's, that's, that's awesome. Joe, Grant, you guys have some thoughts on that one? And I know you had some thoughts. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, Jason, you used the word intentional there, and I think that's a key word in this discussion, intentionality. I think a lot of teams are sort of <laughs> moving from one Sunday to the next without intentionality, with people taking in different directions. And uh, so, yeah, this, this intentionality, if we want to invite our particular congregation to sing these songs as an expression of worship, um, and what are those songs? Well, then we've got to read the room. And I love that you've mentioned there, Jason, knowing what, what is the overall guidance of our leadership, our senior pastor, our elders, who, who from, from above us in this structure that we need to be respectful of, where are we going? And um, in some, some leadership I've found have no input whatsoever. Do whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. uh, right through to quite specific hopes for the musical expression of worship within their congregation. And that needs to be listened to. Um, but I, this idea of uh, within the context of what your leadership is saying, choosing songs that are appropriate and choosing and, and making it intentional that we're inviting our congregation to, to sing them. You know, I was actually coaching a, a team from a brethren church, actually not far from where I live. And I was sitting down with the singers, instrumentalists and technicians after having some meetings with the elders and the senior pastor. And the elders and the senior pastor were feeling this tension. We really want our congregation to be singing deep, meaty, correct theology. That's, what, that's where they were coming from. And um, I found that the team had no idea of that vision from their elders. And I was speaking to them and I actually pointed this picture that I see sometimes people want there to be songs that remind the congregation of deep correct theology, deep correct theology is what I'm trying to say. And then other people choose songs because they want much more simple lyrics that are more repetitive and because they want to sing these songs till they feel it. Sing it till you feel it, people. And the team sort of started to giggle amongst themselves, not in a, not in a happy way. And I realized that almost every one of the singers and instrumentalists wanted sing it till you feel it songs while the eldership of that church wanted deep, correct theology. And there was this tension. Yeah. Uh, so we've got to find uh, how we can move alongside each other. If you, if you want to disregard the input of your eldership or your senior pastor, maybe it's time for you to leave, go somewhere else, you know? But, you, guys, uh, you guys heard it here. Grant has given you permission no, to I'm leave. Serious. That's great. But I, any, any eldership's going to hear something, you know, and I, and I have to know that that, that particular eldership had, had let that team have their own Sunday night, sing it till you feel it night. But on their Sunday morning services, they wanted something different. They felt that was going to connect with many of the people because a lot of the people in that room were older and had brethren roots where it was a different emphasis mm-hmm. than the sing it till you feel it. Yeah, Joe, you have a thought on that? Well, just uh, sort of trying to tie some of this um, together in, you know, I, th- I think, you know, we were talking about relevance and picking songs, but I think what partly what these guys are saying is one, and both have used the word, uh, it, it, you know, theologically true and relevant. I, when, when I'm looking at a song, the first thing I always ask is, is it true? Because there's sometimes there's a lot of things in worship songs that, you, you know, where we say metaphorically kind of you're all I want or you're all I need. And, you know, and some things that and now and then there's there's phrases that you go, that's not really true. 
You know, there's a little disconnect in my heart somewhere when I sing it. So looking for the songs that are true, uh, looking for songs that are singable, um, that actually normal people can follow the melody and the rhythm. We used to have a guy in our church named Quig, and uh, he was a big truck driver guy with a belt buckle about the size of a plate. And, and my pastor came up to me one time and he said, he said, that song that you just taught is too hard to sing. And I said, no, it's not. And he goes, you can sing it. You're a musician. I don't need to know if you can sing it. I want to know if Quig can sing it. And, yeah. um, and it was a great question of going, is it true? That is, is the question we need to, everybody needs to ask from this point forward. Can Quig sing it? Can Quig, can <laughs> yeah. Quig, that's that's going to lock them in that one. You probably all have one in your congregation. So everybody has a Quig. No. Everybody has a Quig. Maybe he's Joe yeah. the Plumber. I've got a Joe the Plumber, I think of. Oh, yeah. Joe the Plumber. So you go, okay, yeah. is it true? Is it singable for for people? And then obviously, is it meaningful? You know, I mean, there are some songs that you can listen to a hundred times and you go, oh, it's okay. And then there's the ones that you it comes on your radio and you're pulled off on the side of the road because you're weeping. Mm-hmm. And and you go, okay, that's a song I want to sing at my church. Yeah. I want the ones that are true, singable, that move my heart somewhere. And then, like you guys have said too put it in a key where real people can sing just say for musicians my rule is always c to shining c uh, from a low c to a middle c or middle c to the c above once you go above a, a, a c it your baritones start to drop out your basses are dropping out your altos are dropping out and you watch people and they try to go ah, and hit the high note and they can't and then the next time they go try to find it down an octave and and then 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 third time they just quit quick and quick so, gave up ages ago quick yeah yeah um quick gave up a long time ago you're right um but i mean so so putting it where real people that you know where people because again what we're saying is we want god to be honored we want people's hearts to be engaged part of that is making it able so that they can participate and when it's true and singable, meaningful, and in a key where they can actually sing, you give people the best chance to participate. I love that. Yeah, and Joe and Joe's talking about the melody falling between C to C. Right. It doesn't have right, to be the right. key of the song. It's the melody. If you if you're not sure how to work that out, ask the keyboard player. They they understand. Yes. But uh, also, it would probably be worth saying that we also want a a clean arrangement. I found this is really important. I, I talk about draining the sonic soup from the from oh. the from the team's sound. Um, we don't want to be hitting the congregation with a wall of sound. We don't want to have a cacophony, especially in that mid-range where the human voice needs to fill it. So when I'm preparing a band in, in rehearsal, I'm trying to have a very clean sound. Less is more, people. Less is more. We need to know where the beat is. We need to know how the song goes. A very clean representation of the melody of the song. And we love harmonies and guitars and keyboards and other instruments, but they must never cloud cloud or crowd the melody. Is that to create the sonic flood? I just was curious if that's the... <laughs> is that, <laughs> is that the... Sonic flood, in sonic flood, I played bass guitar in, for, in sonic flood for a few years. I think we were a little bit confused about that. We weren't sure whether we were performing for an audience or inviting a congregation to sing. We, we definitely blurred the lines. And I think we got away with that. Um, when you're on the radio and touring, you can get away with that a bit more. And I think it can still be worshipful. Yeah. Regular Sunday morning in the trenches, week in, week out, don't confuse yourself. You are there to invite your congregation to sing and not perform for them. 
There were lots of Sundays that I tried to match the sound of the pink CD, the pink Sonic Flood <laughs> yeah. CD. That was a, that was a big, that was a big one. That was a big yeah. one. Yeah, and if you match it, people will listen rather than sing along. Truth, truth. It's just too impressive. You know what I mean? No, it's truth. What are your guys' thoughts um, on the statement? Uh, I heard this heard this the other day, and I just want to toss it out there. Without vision or purpose, we're basically a Sunday morning cover band. Do you guys agree oh, with that? That's, that's harsh. That's I know, sorry. but I want to. I'm just. We're gonna go right there as we kind of wrap up. Like, what do you guys? What are your true or false? Like, without vision and purpose, we're a Sunday morning cover band. Karaoke. I mean, we're gonna use all the words. Use all the words because that's the most important part. But go ahead. What are your thoughts? Well, my thought is if we don't have vision for leading the congregation to sing and we're actually splitting our vision with actually performing for people, then we are a bad cover band. Yeah. On and that does not engage people with the creator of the universe. There you go. And, 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 and Jason or Joe, do you guys have thoughts on that statement? Go I ahead. see the look on your face. I just was. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, I think if you're, if you and your team don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then you're just playing music for the sake of playing music. Yep. Um, just because you have a skill or a t so I don't want to say yes, because it hurts me. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it, it does take that intentionality that of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, because just because you know all the right notes and the right melody and all of that, if there's not the meaning, you're not, you can't expect people to move to a place that you haven't been or don't know where you're taking them. Um, and so if you don't, I mean, as we want to engage our congregation in worship, if we don't have an intention or a, a, a purpose of how we're taking them or why, uh, you know, why we're even on the journey together, then I don't think you can expect to succeed in that because you don't really know where you're going. You're just taking steps. Absolutely. So, all right. So we call this podcast The Table um, and The Table, meaning conversations happening around the table. Everyone's invited to the table. I like to always end our podcast with the food question of the week. Um, this week's food question is, what do you guys do for breakfast? What is your breakfast food of choice? I will start. Uh, my wife is an amazing cook and she tends to pre-make homemade waffles or pancakes mm. and mm. freeze them. And she puts like oatmeal in them and fruit and they're like hearty. They're like a hearty, a hearty. And so she makes them and then we throw them in the toaster in the mornings. And uh, that is, I, I like to start the day with a big breakfast. But what, what about you guys? What is your breakfast of choice? How about you, Jason? Uh, breakfast for me is more about function. Um, and so I am a steel cut oats with some maple syrup and a cup of coffee. Uh, there you go. And so it is, I enjoy a good, healthy, savory dinner. And because of that, you got to go healthy <laughs> when I'm half awake. So that's, that's the morning. It's like one step above oat bran. No, but yeah, go ahead. And, and uh, what about you, Grant? Oh, uh, a, a cup of tea while I make sure the rest of the family is fed and lunches are made for that day. And then I will have a wonderful bowl of the muesli also known as granola that my wife makes. She makes. Ah, there you go. There you go. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I'm usually uh, grabbing a cup of coffee and uh, sit down my journal and uh, and then whatever is handy, usually a cup of yogurt that's in the, whatever I can grab out of the fridge, it's quick and easy. So 
That's yeah, fun. pretty pretty low key here. And, and may I just stipulate? I, so, sorry, Joe, but to go back, I said a cup of tea, not iced tea. You <laughs> hot tea in the English style. The English style yeah. cup of tea. All right, hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out today. I appreciate it. I love these yeah. conversations and the chance to just chat. Um, and we will we will see you guys next week.